0: This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Jesus brings us so much joy. Welcome again to all of you. Thanks for coming tonight, and welcome to those of you who are watching online uh, today as well. Good to have you with us. A little girl came home from Sunday school last weekend, waving a paper for her mother to see, and she exclaimed, teacher says I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she ever saw. And mother took one look at it and had to agree with the teacher. (laughs) She said, um, hoping that her daughter would explain the creation, she said, honey, that's wonderful, but why are all these people riding in the back of an airplane? Well, mommy, that's the flight into Egypt, she said. Okay, accepting that, the mother said, uh, took another look, and she said, well, who is this mean-looking man at the front? The daughter said quickly and knowingly, that's Pontius, the pilot. Okay, so looking at the picture again, uh, mother said, well, I see you have Mary and Joseph, and the baby, but who is this rather large man sitting behind Mary? Can't you tell the girl's head, beginning to shake her head in disappointment, that's round John Virgin. Well indeed, Christmas is just around the corner, Merry Christmas to all of you. Christmas is just around the corner, and I think we're probably going to hear a few more of those stories before Christmas Day. How fun is that? Three young granddaughters I have in the city. It's a blast. For the past two weeks, we have taken a closer look at Christmas in 316. We've looked at John 316, the basis for our series. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Two weeks ago, we talked about the danger that John 3.16 speaks about. Perishing. That's the danger. Last weekend, we examined the design of God's love that brought Jesus to earth to rescue us from condemnation. And today, we want to look at these words. Whoever believes in Him... Whoever believes in him shall not perish. But what does it mean to believe? What do we mean when we talk about faith? What should we say about our duty to believe in Christ? Well, first off, I think we could say that genuine faith is the vital link between God's love and my soul. Believing in in Jesus Christ provides the fundamental connection between your soul and God's love. So if we choose not to believe in Jesus Christ for whatever reason, we actually forfeit the love of God and we continue to live under the wrath of God. And why anyone would prefer that to believing in Christ, I will never know. But that's what it says in, in John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And remember that first week we talked about perishing and how that wrath of God remains forever and ever. And it's a one-way ticket, and, 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 and after you die, it's too late. You can't change your destination There's no redo. There's no refund. It's a forever thing. The wrath of God remains on him. But when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life. And God's love is radically and supernaturally linked to your soul forevermore. And Romans 8 says nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Faith in Jesus is, genuine faith in Jesus is the link to God's love and eternal life. Furthermore, genuine faith is an ongoing condition of the heart. Faith is an ongoing condition of the heart. If you look at John's gospel and look at all the tense of the tense of the verbs, now here we're getting into grade 10 grammar here. Um, I, I flunked grade ten, 10 English, so you'll 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 forgive me if I take other people's word for it. But the tense of the verbs all throughout John's gospel really make this plain that genuine faith is an ongoing condition of the heart. You see, whoever believes in him is in the present tense. Whoever believed in him is in the past tense. And John consistently says: whoever believes in him present. It's an ongoing, enduring, constant, persistent, abiding, continuous action of faith. That's what he's talking about. Not a once and for all, or once I did it when I was 16, and, you know, it's, it's ongoing. It's an ongoing condition of the heart. Just have a, way, have a look at the way that John closes off his gospel in John chapter 20. Now, there's 21 chapters, but he's, he's uh, coming around the bend here. Uh, about verse 30, and he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe, present tense, and keep on believing, that's the idea behind it, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, which is this ongoing, persistent, continuous action of faith, That by believing, you may have life in His name. So believing connects us to the rescuing love of God when that believing is the ongoing condition of the heart. Does that make sense? Years ago, many years ago now, we had a young couple came to our church for one Sunday... Before they asked if I would marry them. You get a, I've had a lot of that over the last 40 years of pastoral ministry. Let's go to church and maybe that guy will marry us. You know, So, of course, I arranged to meet with this young couple. But before I could meet with this engaged couple, uh, the bride's mother called me long distance from another city and she was sobbing on the other end of the phone. I could hardly understand what she was saying. But it became clear Please don't perform the ceremony for my daughter. She is a believer in Jesus, and the guy she wants to marry is not. So please, please, please don't marry them. We are not in favor of this marriage. Our daughter gave her heart to Jesus at Bible camp more than 20 years ago when she was seven. She can't marry a man who doesn't believe in Jesus. So there I was, young pastor, not sure what to do. So I called the bride-to-be, and we met at the mall in uh, the courtyard or food court restaurant and shared a cup of coffee together. And I will never forget that meeting because that young woman, who was a beautiful young girl, could have walked out of Vogue magazine, uh, a beautiful uh, young woman, and she admitted to praying a prayer at Bible camp when she was seven years of age, under pressure from her camp counselor and under pressure from her parents. And she said, I have never lived a day for Jesus since then. Genuine faith is not simply a decision or a profession or reciting the sinner's prayer. Genuine biblical faith is an ongoing condition of the heart. It's not something that you get by walking forward at an altar call. It's not something that you achieve by standing next to a fire at Bible camp. 1 John 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes... That's present tense. Not everyone who believed past tense. This poor mother was banking on the fact that her daughter believed, at least in her mind, at age six or seven, maybe for a moment. Genuine faith, though, is an ongoing condition of the heart. Every Tuesday morning, when we meet together online to pray, there's a number of us. that gather together over Zoom and pray. Every Tuesday, we pray for the wayward children of our church. Every Tuesday morning. Because we have knowledge of kids like that who may or may not have ongoing condition of faith. But God knows, and he will do what's right. Third, we can say that genuine faith results in satisfaction with who God is and what he does in our lives through Christ. Genuine faith results in satisfaction with who God is and what he does for you in Christ. And here I look at 1 John 5. Where John asks us, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So believing includes a level of satisfaction in your heart with all that God is to you and all that God does for you through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And and you will never be satisfied in life, and you will never live an overcoming kind of life unless you believe in Christ. It's absolutely imperative that we walk in faith. If we're going to be overcomers and walk in with any sense or degree of victory in our Christian experience, it has to be from a, from a faith-filled position. Faith in Jesus Christ. Patty and I attended a funeral on Monday for a dear friend of ours, who contracted COVID. His wife did too. She recovered and he went the opposite direction and died. This man led a Bible study, a noontime Bible study at the Renaissance Center in Detroit for over 30 years. He's a Canadian. He crossed over uh, every Thursday to lead a Bible study for 70 to 80 businessmen every Thursday. The funeral was two and a half hours long because there were 13 tributes. Ten of them were businessmen who stood in front of all of us at the funeral and talked about how marvelously successful they had become in their careers and yet how empty they were inside until they met our friend, and he introduced them to Jesus. And then they talked about their newfound satisfaction in life being a direct result of their faith in Jesus, not not his Bible study skills or his ability to speak in public, which wasn't all that great, but he was a a faith-filled man. And, and and they found satisfaction in life because they put their faith in the same Savior that he had, the, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. See, authentic faith leads us to be satisfied in who God is as the sovereign creator and sustainer of the world and with whatever he does for us in Christ, regardless of how much or how little we have of the material goods of this world. Consider John thirty three thirty five, where Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if you trust in Jesus, you'll never be hungry spiritually. If you trust in Jesus, you'll never be thirsty spiritually. Why? Because Jesus is enough. He's all we need. We can be satisfied in him. You know, genuine faith is is a powerful thing. I I heard it again at this funeral. I was fighting back the tears with every one of those tributes. Because this guy had a powerful impact in my life, too. Genuine faith is a very powerful thing, it renovates the heart with new affections, it recalibrates the soul with new loyalties, and it renews the mind with new ideas. And that all comes from genuine faith in Christ. What used to satisfy your heart and mind is now inadequate. What used to bring pleasure and happiness is now insufficient. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can satisfy your soul. He's the master of the mighty, He's the captain of the conquerors, He's the head of the heroes, He's the leader of the lawmakers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's my king. Amen. Glory to God. When Mary found out she was pregnant with the Son of God, she was satisfied with God's decision for her, God's choice for her in Christ. What does she say? Luke chapter 1, verse 47. My soul rejoices. And God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. (laughs) That's the statement of a satisfied soul, is it not? She was okay. With God's unusual choice for her. Are you okay with the choices God has made for you and for your life and for your station and your circumstances these days? Are you okay? Are you satisfied? This young teenager who is now a pregnant virgin. (laughs) Think about it. She could have been totally freaked out with these circumstances and nobody would have been surprised at her reaction, right? I mean, but she chooses faith. She chose faith. She was satisfied with God and how he had worked in her life. You know, there was a a time in my life when... When Jamie, shortly after Jamie was born and her disabilities began to manifest themselves, there was a point in my life where I, the only thing I could affirm to be true was that God loved me. I was just so devastated and so dissatisfied with God. Why would he do this to me? Why would he give me a child with disabilities? Dr. Piper is fond of saying God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. I am satisfied. It took a while, but God is faithful. If you're feeling unsatisfied tonight, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And trust God. Last but not least, what else can we say about this? We can say that genuine faith is a work of God and not mere human initiative. Now, this doesn't nullify Anything that we've already said, that that believing is a human act of the mind, agreeing with truth, and a human act of the heart of being satisfied with Christ, that's true. That's all true. It's all true. But the Bible also says that the natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit, can't comprehend the things of the Spirit, unless God moves the heart and the mind. The, The human heart is hard to spiritual pleasures, so how can anybody be saved? How can anybody be saved if that's the case? If the natural mind can't comprehend the things of the Spirit? Well, the answer Jesus gives in John 6, is this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. <laughs> and I will raise him up on the last day. Thank you, Father. Lord, continue to draw men and women and boys and girls to the Savior. That's our prayer. So this implies, 644 implies that no human being in the world on their own has the moral or spiritual ability to come to Christ unless the Father draws them. God gives them the desire and God gives them the inclination to come. God gives them the ability to repent. God gives them the ability to, to put their faith in Christ. It doesn't evaporate our responsibility one iota. But this is a God-given work. Genuine faith is a work of God. And Add to that what Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. This is not human initiative. This is a gift from God. God's grace not only offers salvation, but, but secures it forever. Through faith. Faith is that agent that that activates the grace of God in our lives. Make sense? So Christmas in 3.16 uncovers the the danger of John 3.16, that's perishing. It reveals the design of John 3.16, that's love. But it also unveils the duty of John 3.16, our duty to believe, to put our faith in Christ, you see. Genuine gospel-centered faith in Jesus is required for salvation. It's our duty to God to believe. My parents can't do that for me. They might bring me to get me christened or to get me sprinkled or baptized or whatever. They can't, but that doesn't work. It's an act of faith, hoping that the child will come to faith in Christ, but it's our duty to believe in God ourselves. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The name of Jesus is a strong and mighty tower. His name is a shelter like no other. And I believe that God is at work right this very moment. In this room, throughout our city, as you're watching online, God is at work lifting the darkness and softening people's hearts And my plea to you is this. Do not harden your heart to this truth from Scripture. Don't push back on God. You know, we chuckled at the the little girl who came running home from Sunday school last week waving her paper for her mom to see. The most unusual picture (laughs) that her teacher had ever seen. The flight to Egypt, and Pontius the pilot, and round John Virgin. Christmas is so much fun with kids, isn't it? But listen, we need to make sure that people get the story straight. Christmas is not about an airplane ride. It's not about trees and tinsel and turkey. Christmas is about Emmanuel, God with us. Come in the flesh, full of grace and truth, able to rescue and restore and renew and give hope and peace and joy. It's about God giving you exactly what you need to come to Christ. And so in this very moment, God may be giving you the grace to repent. And the grace to believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Say yes to Him. Yield your life to the Lord. Our duty is to believe. Our duty is to put faith in Christ. Will you do that? Would you do that tonight? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, there are so many things over which we have so little control and many outcomes that remain hidden from us. But this one thing we know, we know that when we place our faith and trust in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our future contains zero judgment and zero condemnation. We know, Lord, that when we exercise genuine faith in the finished work of the cross, our future contains 100% Joyful welcome by you and 100% perfect righteousness in Christ. The future is going to be magnificent beyond our wildest imagination, all because of Jesus, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, whose name is like a strong tower. So, Lord, in this very moment, you may be given people in our audience people who are watching online, the grace they need to repent of sin right now and trust in Jesus alone for salvation because your name indeed is a strong and mighty tower. And nothing has the power to save like Jesus does. Lord, right now there may be people in this place who are yielding to you and saying yes to the Holy Spirit. This may very well be a 316 moment for some. and We pray that they would respond in faith and place their trust and hope in you right now. Right now. In this very moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.